What's going on, podcast family? What's up, sales culture? This one's going on there first. I got the LinkedIn lives going. I have the Facebook live up and running. The Instagram live is going. So uh, tune into sales culture uh, on any of those platforms and check in. Let me know that you're listening. But with that, I'm, at, I'm, I'm recording this intro live from the DigiMarcon conference here in Santa Monica. So I'm the podcasting host, running the podcasting studio. And so I'll be interviewing a lot of the people, uh, a lot of the speakers, I should say, after they're done talking. You know, having that that that, that post game follow up basically. That's kind of that's kind of my role here at the conference today, and I'm excited about doing it because I get to get to learn and listen in on some of the latest and greatest things that are uh, transpiring all throughout digital marketing, a space that I'm definitely interested in. But today, I'm going to lay out and and going to uh, <laughs> we're going to have a great conversation with my guy Jamal Rashad. This guy is is one of the elite trainers, sports trainers in LA. Um, he works with a, a handful of pro um, football players I know about personally, and he also runs camps for people trying to get into the league. So I really like Jamal's approach because he he started this whole. Um, movement around athletes first and really where he's pretty much advocating for athletes rights right and so we get into it today man i talked to jamal months ago right before i was going off to the nfl combine and so i pulled him aside after i got done with a, with a uh, training a group of athletes and uh, we just chopped it up on the podcast we talk everything about the sports business we talk a lot about the whole the whole dangers of having conversation without having context which i think really applies uh because we're going to uh we're going, to, we're going to talk about some areas that are very sensitive for a lot of people, um, economic issues that we see happening all throughout the country, and just a lot of the old school thinking that still exists. So I want to warn you guys up front, we're definitely going to be cussing a little bit. Uh, he's, you know, I want him to relax and be loose. So I, I normally am a little bit stiffer, but I'm trying to, a totally different approach with this podcast. I want it to be open, I want it to be more relaxed, and I want to get your thoughts and see if this resonates with you guys or not. So either way, drop past sales culture, let me know what you think about it, shoot me uh, an actual um, direct message, or always link, link up with me on LinkedIn. And we got to talk about this. How come we haven't linked up on LinkedIn yet? I'm really putting a lot of effort and energy into growing that platform and uh, it's moving and I like what LinkedIn's doing. So if we have it, let's find time to do it. Let's make today the day that we go into it. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, sit back and enjoy this conversation with Jamal Rashad because I think you guys will just have fun talking about some of these, you know, well, well we had fun doing it, but I think you'll have fun listening us talking about band-aid culture and, and the whole capitalistic state um and just a lot of that a lot of those interesting conversations that people have when whenever they're just hanging out post-workout or uh grabbing some whiskeys together so that's type of flow was sit back and enjoy this conversation with jamal rashad and be sure to subscribe and you know just let me know what you think because i'm always uh trying to trying to share uh different elements and challenge myself to be to be better than i was in the past and this is something that's different for me so i would love to hear from you guys with that said let's dive into today's show um i want to start with your background first yeah though, so your pops mm -hmm. he's a coach as well yeah. I mean, so you came yeah. up, but you played football, though. Yeah, so my dad, uh, so my Running dad, back, right? Yeah, so okay. my dad uh, coached and played pro basketball for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was like, he was like one of the pioneers, right? So he was, was he playing. mad strict coming up or, or what? Nah, so, you know, my pops wasn't really, wasn't around, right? Oh, okay. So my dad, 
Very, very long story short, my dad was in his pursuit of, of playing pro basketball, mm-hmm. spent like we used, to, we used to call it in the, uh, in the sports world, had a cup of tea with a team, right, where you don't spend very much time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a cup of tea with the Clippers, and then he left and started playing overseas. And, you know, this is back in the day, man. It's like pre-Skype, yeah. pre-phone calls. Like, you don't really have a way of communicating with family and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, so different back then. He was, uh, he was playing basketball overseas, and then, you know, that overseas life, some guys can do it, some guys can't. He just thrived in it. And, Which country uh, was he with? I think originally he went to Portugal. Okay. And, yeah. uh, you know, my dad changed his last name, converted to Islam. Oh, and, wow, you know, I wow. mean, you know a lot about black culture, I'm sure, of and course. that whole trend that was happening back then, which is why my last name was Rashad. Yeah. Uh, and then he started spending time coaching and playing in the Middle East. And which year was this? God, you got to think. If I was born in 87, you're talking about he left to play overseas, probably talking about 89, 90. Yeah, yeah, man. And uh, he spent probably about 25 years over there. Okay. And then decided that he wanted to try and come back, got his – Got his law degree and wow. decided that he wanted to come back and do sports administration. But, you know, this world is all about is all about connections and politics. So mm-hmm. being overseas for 25 years, he didn't have those contacts here so that he can have that AD job or that assistant AD job. So he just got a job literally about six months ago and took a job in Qatar. Wow. He's coaching. He's coaching a team in Qatar right now. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Are you guys tight? You know, we've gotten closer. It's interesting, man. Like we're we're closer now as men yeah. than we are as than we were as father and son. I hear that a lot, though. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. makes more sense too, right? Because you can kind of digest things a little. Yeah. As, as a I kid, think so. things, as a kid, things are so complex. You know what I mean? Trying to yeah. really get your arms around what's going yeah. on. And I think for me, like you know, I think everybody kind of has to find themselves and go through their own like journey. You know what I yeah. mean? So when football came crashing down for me, and I had to figure out what life was about and yeah. you know my i was gonna play pro football that was just it you know yeah. my grandfather played pro football my uncle played pro football for like 14 years oh, my so dad played were. pro basketball so for me it was like that was it you know yeah. so when that didn't happen and i was taught i couldn't play football again because of, of two back-to-back injuries what it, was the injury by the way uh shoulder okay shoulder yeah is. it like rocked my world to its core like yeah. i mean I, you start questioning life and like what your purpose in this world and all that you i mean i hit like rock bottom so that's how it goes though man you you, you know it's yeah. funny man like especially once you identify as an athlete all your life mm-hmm. and you got all your male role models that sound like that were, yeah. that were ballers players and everything yeah. else and then to kind of say all right now i'm not going to do this that you've yeah. been doing for let's call it 10 years probably at yeah. least you know what i mean i mean at that point you're talking about i yeah i started playing i started playing football when i was nine yeah so you're about, at this point i've football's done at tw- Shit, i was told i was done at 19 wow. and i still played another two three years after that Damn. But yeah, you're yeah you're talking about your whole existence. Well, well, well you know what, man? I didn't even welcome you on properly. We were just flowing, so I had to <laughs> yes, keep it going. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> hey, man, Jamal Rashad, I want to welcome you on to the podcast, man. And um, it's cool, man, because every time I come to Dr. Pat's place and over here in um, Encino, it's like I bring past guests, tour them around. You always come up, introduce yourself, yeah, speak well. I try. Give a nice try. firm handshake, dope eye contact. I you know try. what I mean? Like yeah. you, you always carry yourself with this, with this presence of like, you know what I mean? Dopeness, man. So, so um, I appreciate that. Once I started going to your Instagram page, well, matter of fact, after I found out that we already had like mutual contacts yeah. through um, Nico, Nico was my old barber. You guys obviously, oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah. got you guys obviously um, played ball together back in the yeah. day. And um, I started seeing what you were doing online. I was like, oh, I got to have you on the podcast. So we can yeah. just chop it up for, for a quick moment, man. I appreciate it, man. No, man. Thank you for joining the show, Of course, man. of course. I, mean, I, I love stuff like this. So, well, 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 you know, it's one of those things where I think that there's so many good movements that are going yeah. on. Not so many. 
every once in a while I see a good movement mm-hmm. that's just an authentic movement. Yeah. And one of the things I'm crazy about podcasts, and I always try to pitch everybody on, on like podcasts. So uh-huh. I'm gonna pitch you on it as well, bro. I appreciate it. <laughs> but but, but yeah. it's like, but it's like, man, you know, we have an opportunity to really get to really get our actual um, word out mm-hmm. without anybody else jumping in between it. For and, sure. And then trying to unplug us, you know what I mean? For sure. I mean, and uh, what you're doing with athletes first, I think, is, is is pretty strong, though, man. Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a gift and a curse, right? Because like. Mm-hmm. Uh, the more the more access you have to information, that means the more access you have to information on both sides, right? right. So the sides more that, confusion. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly, mm-hmm. and that's what happens. So it's almost like you're trying to decipher between good and bad information. And I think for a lot of people, it's such a with all the day to day that we already have in our own lives, yeah. it's not a coincidence. People just stop deciphering. They just say, "Screw it," and they just step away from all of it and just go, "I don't even know." And that's that's a big thing that that. It's a big hurdle that we run into, uh, especially when you're talking about like, you know, players' rights and things are happening in college sports. It's it, there's just so much going on mm-hmm. that people don't have the time to try and decipher from one or the other. So, they I think people tend to go to people that they trust, yeah, uh, and people they trust their word and what they've done. And so I think for me, how I interact with people, I really do see it as a very pivotal piece in this journey because. If I plan to really spend my life doing this, my character and what people think about me and what people have to say about me and my integrity and my moral character, it, you know, it, it matters. It matters a lot. Well, you, you, you know what's interesting about this day and time is that everything's, everything's on, on wax. Man. Everything's recorded. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything. Yeah. So it's like yeah. if, you had, if you were doing something that was very short-term thinking publicly, yeah. now everything's public, right? Yeah. People, people are going to come back and look at you like, sure. like, man – Look at what you thought was right. For sure, <laughs> you know what I mean. For sure, that's gonna that's For definitely sure. gonna mess up your whole like long term legacy and everything, yeah. man. So, all right, I'm, I want to dive into it a little bit because yeah, I'm, I'm sure you got some opinions on this. Um, you know, I was talking to a sports agent, a sports agent, a basketball coach. I had him on the podcast last week, and I, and, and I asked him, I was like, "Do you guys think that players should get paid? Mm-hmm. College athletes how to get paid? Mm-hmm. What's your whole take on it, man?" So, I think. So I'm, I'm fascinated and I'm obsessed with this concept of defining words, mm-hmm. okay? Because I think, I think so often we use words like compensation, pay, mm-hmm. good, bad, and there's these general terms that people really don't dive deeper and really define them before they use them. Mm-hmm. So that being said, do I think they should get paid? Yes. Do I think that they should just be getting a check in the mail or be paid like professional athletes? No. Mm-hmm. I think that... I think that gets really dangerous, right? Um, the other thing I think a lot of people don't take into consideration is that I'm all for players' rights, right? I'm, I'm, my goal is, is to be an advocate for that and for, and for me to push the needle on that, okay? Mm-hmm. But I'm standing here today saying that a lot of people say, yes, we should do something, but they don't really take into consideration all the secondary and third effects that happen as a result. So you can't just say, yes, you should, without really thinking about what that means for an industry as a whole, what that means for a culture, what that means for a group of people. And that's why these things are so complex mm-hmm. that surface level, they go, yeah, yeah, they should get paid. Well, okay, how do they get paid? How much do they get paid? When do they get paid? How long do they get paid? There's right. so much to it that it's, it's not the easiest thing. The short answer is yes, I think they should get paid. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, man, you know, what's cool about that is that you put it in context first because um, I think people say, oh, 
I want to get a paycheck. And then people automatically go negative, right? Because you're like, you're out here being greedy. You just want to get checked. You, you know, you don't want to work for it. You just want to hand it to you. Of course. How come your, you know, how come your college um, education isn't enough mm-hmm. as like payment whenever whenever everybody else is paying for it? Yep. Um, but but there is some context behind that that people sure. got to bring into it, man. For sure. Um, both the sports agent and the uh, coach said that players shouldn't get paid. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. You know, I mean, and they had a different take, you know? Well, um, see, sometimes, like, they'll say they shouldn't get paid, right? But, yeah. like, for example, if if they might say they should increase the stipend. Right. Okay? Right. Increasing the stipend is getting paid. Yeah. I don't care how you want to call it. If you want to call it a stipend, you want to call it getting <laughs> right. paid, you want to call it a paycheck, they need to receive more money. Yeah. So however you want to label it, you can. But that's what makes these things hard because if you don't define these terms and really and are very specific about what the conversations and what people are talking about, if it lacks context, yeah. you just go around in circles and nothing really gets done. I think there's a few different ways to go about doing it. Okay. I understand and I understand the intricacies about it, and I understand the like the the hurdles behind Title Nine, right? Mm-hmm. And female and male players' rights, right? Yeah, I pay everybody, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I understand all that, right? Mm-hmm. And and it makes it it makes it very difficult. However, I don't think that anybody can argue that looking at college athletes, what they are expected to do and what they do on a regular basis, especially the contact sports, I'm gonna be biased towards it, like football. Of course. What these players are asked to do and what they are doing and putting their lives on the line, because obviously, you know, this is very serious stuff, right? And people are benefiting from it, okay? If everybody wants to say that they're college athletes, then let's take all that money the NCAA is making, let's take all that money that coaches are making, and let's take some of that and let's put that somewhere else. But they don't want to do that, right? right? So they kind of don't want to play it both ways, right? It's a business, but it's college athletics. No, it's it's a college athletics for the athletes. Mm-hmm. For everybody else, it's a business. Everybody's doing real well. Man, you know? man, you know what? That's a great point. I think a lot of the general population doesn't fully understand what the athletes go through. Mm-hmm. So they yeah. say that. Now, I didn't play college ball. I mean, I had a couple of little D2 scholarships mm-hmm. because yeah. but I was more into, like, partying, right? Yeah. That's why I spent so much damn time in college. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but, for sure. But, but still, though, I mean, do you mind just kind of walking through, like, a quick yeah. day-to-day of what an athlete goes through? Yeah, well, you know, every school is different. Of course, so, you yeah. know, But my my experience through athletes, I've learned a lot. Like, we started athletes first because I thought that I thought that what I went through at Fresno was just my experience. And then I started having friends that were at SC, at UCLA, at Florida, and I realized that everybody was having similar experiences, right? So a typical day, let's just say during the season, okay? Mm -hmm. You got class. You got some of these kids that aren't going to class. That's a whole other thing that certain schools are doing, but whatever, teach their own, okay? You're waking up, you're going to class. If you got, uh, for example, for me, we had 6 a.m. lifts, okay? So to make it to a 6 a.m. lift, you're up at 5.30, okay? You're going to a 6 a.m. lift, and this is a this is a lift. You're in there for about an hour, hour and a half, mm-hmm. getting after it, okay? Mm-hmm. After that, you're going to breakfast. After that, you're probably going to class for about four or five hours. After that, you're coming back to the gym and doing meetings at 1.30. This is what our schedule was at Fresno. Yeah. You're in meetings at 1.30. You're in meetings from about 1.30 to about 3 o'clock. Then you're on the field for practice. You're off the field at, yeah, you're off the field by 5.36, Okay, maybe seven. That doesn't include if you have if you're injured and you got extra PT, which I was doing. Okay, mm-hmm. then after that, you gotta somehow go home and do some kind of homework. Like, I was fortunate enough to where I could I cut corners. I was able to get away with not really doing that much schoolwork outside of actually being in class. Yeah. I could be in class and focus, and I could for the most part I did fine. But you're talking about more than a you're talking about at least a 12 hour day. That's why I think people a lot of people don't a lot of people don't fully understand like. 
that most of the athletes that that I was around, those guys were they were gone throughout the week. Yeah, and yeah. We, there was a small little time that they poked their head out on like mm-hmm. a Saturday or something yep. after the game, right? Yep. You, you know, like yep. that's when they hung out. But it wasn't like they were doing nearly as much yeah. act, activities. The free time wasn't even close to the amount For of sure. free time that me and me and like most of my friends had. So it was like they were studying. And they had their actual hours of studying and all that, but they had off hours mm-hmm. for like studying after their, you know, as you said, twelve-hour mm-hmm. day. And I think people don't fully get that they're clocking in like that. Oh yeah, you for know? sure. And the thing is, you know, it, whether everybody has their opinions on it, like you know, whatever, whether that's a hard day or it's not that hard of a day, or a day like that is justified because you're getting a college education. Everybody can justify it, like. Sure. And I I see both points. At the end of the day, at the end of the day. Even though college athletes, you can argue that they have it really good or there's certain benefits that they receive because of their athletic ability, it's still the industry itself just doesn't, it's not equal in terms of everybody that participates in that industry. Players, coaches, referees, administration, everybody can kind of move freely, right. do what they want for the most part, go from team to team, take opportunities, make money, except the players. So that's the part that's the part that... That is frustrating for me. I'll tell you. A, I'll tell you a personal story, which I can now talk about all this stuff because he's not the coach there anymore. But okay. um, <laughs> when I went to Fresno, okay, uh, I got hurt before I went to Fresno, so I ended up losing all my offers. Okay, wow. and uh, originally I had verbally committed to Auburn, which at this time you'll remember this. This was when they tied for the national championship and they lost Ronnie Brown and Cadillac Williams. Oh wow, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So that, that following year, yeah. yeah, this was 2005. Wow. So that following year, they lost both of them in the draft. They yeah, wanted. They were crazy out there. Yeah. 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 I went to junior college for a year, right? Okay. So they wanted they wanted me to come in and be able to play right away. Okay. After I had uh, after I injured my shoulder in that junior college season, them and every other school was gone, like like a light switch. Okay. So I had to figure out what I was going to do. It's a very humbling moment because the letter that I received from Fresno was like a handwritten letter, which back in the day, if you got a if you got a handwritten letter, it was like a team was really interested. It missed right? something. Yeah. yeah. And I remember getting this handwritten letter, and not even opening it. That's how arrogant I was, right? And I was I was. I felt like I was arrogant justifiably so because I, I was told that I could never make it. And here I am now, like, now what? You know what I mean? Yeah, okay? yeah, 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 yeah. So it was a very humbling moment because after I got hurt, the only school that was there was Fresno. Wow. Okay? I go through my ups and downs, and that's a whole other story about my experience at Fresno. But my last year that I was there, summertime, and they had budget cuts. Okay? So a lot of Cal States were going through this thing where they just weren't offering classes. Okay? In order to be there in the summertime, you have to take – full-time you have to be a full-time student in the summertime in order to receive a scholarship check that's what they usually do with football in order for you to stay there okay so you can work out in the summertime okay well if they don't have any classes for you to take what do you do what do you do right so what they did was they gave us jobs okay okay? they gave us jobs (laughs) now this isn't like this wasn't like back like in early 2090s where you were folding towels at a health club making 25 dollars an hour this was like real work Okay. What were you guys out there doing? I'll tell you. There was 10 of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there was 10 of us. I'll never forget. I remember this like to this day. There was 10 of us, and there were three different divisions. There was actually four. One was uh, you had the paint crew. Okay. You had the groundskeeping crew. You had the electrical crew. And then one out of the 10 people was going to go with the locksmith for the whole summer. And everybody was like, I don't want to be the locksmith because don't, we don't want to be alone. We all wanted to be together. Yeah. So one person, Wilson Ramos, decided to be the locksmith. And we were like, man, that's a stupid idea. Okay? Yeah. So they split the other three of us up in three different groups. And we basically shuffle. Every two weeks, you go to each division. Grounds, paint, and electrical. Okay? Electrical, you basically went around the whole campus and you were just switching out light bulbs. Okay? 
Can, I can speak freely on this thing. Like, come how on, much? please, please. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Open yourself up. All right, cool. All right. Yeah. All right. So, so you went around. You went around the whole school, and you basically switched out fucking light bulbs the whole time for okay. the whole summer. No, for that two week period. All right, for two. Yeah, period. but right, you're talking right, about right. you talking about like a you talking about like a six seven hour day in like right? the dead of like you know Fresno, a Fresno yeah, in the valley. You know what yeah, I mean. Man. There ain't no real good breeze going through. I'm Hell sure it's not. not. <laughs> yeah. And electrical was the good job. Okay. Oh man. Second one was the grounds crew. Okay, yeah. for the grounds crew, you again it was two week period. Yeah. You basically went around campus and you basically dug up fucking weeds. <laughs> and you did groundskeeping. Like you were, in, I had a full suit on, a whole white suit, like. <laughs> I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. I didn't know they were doing that to athletes out there during you know, this time, man. Wait, wait to the third one. Wait, right, I, I did this purposely. Yeah, okay? yeah, yeah, yeah. So the grounds crew, you're going around. The best part of it, you're driving that fucking Gator. You know what I mean? Like, and you know, so you're driving around the Gator doing grounds crew work. It sucked. Okay? Paying dues. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. The third, the third was the paint crew. Okay, for the paint crew, you went into Bulldog Stadium, and you would shave off. Sand oh, wow. and repaint in blue paint all of the rails in the stadium. That stadium what? is 115 in the in the middle of the summer. In the, I promise you, I can't make this up. I can't make this up. Those are the three jobs that we had. And they're not getting the check. Okay, you're, so so you're you have to put in those hours in order to get paid a paycheck, right. so you can pay your rent and all your other of stuff. Course, of course, of course, you can't get a scholarship check. Okay, so here's the irony of all of this. Okay, in this summer. Wow. I'm doing I'm doing this fucked up work, okay? Yeah, yeah. Because my school doesn't have the ability to give us classes, okay? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, cool. Last week we're there, they decided to have like a like a luncheon kind of thing for the athletes on the team that did it, some of the staff that was there. We all do like this barbecue thing. I'm sitting outside and I'm sitting at a table with Coach Hill. Coach Hill is talking about how far the, the program has come and how different it was in the early 2000s when he took over and what it was then, and right? Okay? And I'm like listening, like, okay, I, yeah, I have my own opinions about him or whatever, but we're sitting there, and this man looks at me, at a group of us, and he tells us a story about how there was a point in time where they were bringing dumpsters and tractors, and they were putting them in the parking lot of the stadium because they were telling recruits and their parents they were adding on to the stadium, knowing that they didn't have the money to do it. Wow. Right? And I looked at him and I was like, I, I, I was in such disbelief that he had the balls to tell me this story that I'm like, yeah. oh, this is fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Because I'm like, but you I hear about this all the time, though. I remember those stories. Yeah. I remember getting there. I remember, and I'm like, you just blatantly just lying to people. You're mm -hmm. just lying. And then. When you, we find out that you're lying, I'm now bound by NCAA rules and I can't go to my, I can't go to my second choice because if not, I lose a year. I can't, if I wanted to go to Boise, I'd lose two because it's in the same uh, conference. conference. right? So you're telling me you can just blatantly tell me lies. I can sign a contract based off lies and then I can't, that contract is still valid. It's still, I can't, I can't remove it. I can't eliminate it. No, like what are the, what are the industries this exist? fucked up man i mean because you know that, that that's the piece about it and you know i remember movies like uh he got game and all that but yeah. you know where they used to bring you out give, yeah. you, give you a nice experience and yep. whatever and, and and of course you know of course that was like a movie so i was all extreme and everything else it's very true ah uh, that's very I, true I, yeah I, I believe a lot of oh, it oh man yeah i yeah. believe a lot of it though and, yeah. you know, but you know 
But it's that bad selling that people are, are up to, though, right? Mm-hmm. Where they present this picture that's not even close yeah. to the reality Absolutely. for a lot of these people. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So they bring them out. They got the all this stuff happening. recruiting visits. Yeah, yeah the recruiting yeah. visits. Uh-huh. What was the other one um, in, like, football? It was the called program? The Program. The Program. Yeah, yeah. you remember The Program. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah man. I, I mean, so, you know, that, yeah. those are the things that I think people don't fully uh, comprehend that are happening for sure that are not involved with athletics for sure. you know what I mean absolutely I had tons of friends that played so therefore I understand I yep. saw a piece of it I didn't mm-hmm. fully experience I saw it yep. they were like yo that's not how it is you know, yep. you know, what, I mean? you know what I mean and they used to be grabbing about it but but it's but but it's different whenever you kind of get in there yourself yeah. and the fact that you, they had you guys working oh yeah and that's a that's a de- oh, yeah. I didn't even know about that piece of the well, it, of it's the conversation. so yeah, man, and it's so multifaceted, right? Because there's there's so many different ways you can look at it. I mean, you can especially when you're talking about the money making sports. Let's just call it what it is. You're talking about men's football, men's basketball. Yeah, that's yeah. just what it is. Yeah, right? those those are two money makers. When yep. you're talking about the money making sports, there's a certain demographic of young men that are yep. playing that sport that yep. look like you and me. Yep. Okay, so let's just call it what it is. You know yeah. what I mean? Like. That's a tricky one. You yeah, know what I mean? that's if, tricky. You know what I mean? That's, tricky, that's yeah. a tricky one. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a, there's a lot of different ways that you can look at it, whether it be from, from a cultural or from a socioeconomic standpoint. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. can look at it from just a pure uh, athlete or student athlete standpoint. There's a lot of different ways you can look at it. Either way, I got there's just f- a lot of injustice that's happening, and it's, it's, it's brutal. It is, man. You know, I got some friends that really, that really even take it a couple steps further, and not say I'm fully with them on this, but you know, what's your thoughts on the whole? And, combine trainings that they have like a lot of people lay them up to be like slave trade type that's of exactly what it feels like right I've done one i mean that's what i did for my nfl pro day really yeah you i mean again let's call it what it is yeah. you know at the, look at the end of the day there is and this, this is a very obviously very sensitive of course topic, right? of course of course but yeah, yeah. at the end of the day there is there is some similarities sure right and that is that you are paying for a individual person right. to provide a service. Yeah. Right? In 2019, it's football. It's a sport, right? Yeah. Hundreds of years ago, it was for a different kind of service. Yep. Nonetheless, it's a service. It, it looks, it's still a service, and it looks very similar. What happens is you're in a line full of dudes. Mm-hmm. Have you seen this? Yeah. And you're in I'll be there. And, I'll be there you know, tomorrow, no actually. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. And they're yelling out a name, your height, your weight, and you know what I mean? And so, you get after it. Yeah. yeah. You know? It's... it's the symbolism is very. It's there. It's there. It's there. It's bro. there. And I mean, it's a little. Gu- it's a little cringeworthy. Yeah. But, you know. There's some truth in that, though, man. There, there is some truth to that. And, you know, I think a lot of times, like you said, people don't want to deal with it. Mm-hmm. You don't want to look at it for how it looks. Yep. I mean, but but there's some things that uh, people are, can't get away from, mm-hmm. and this is what I think that that we're messing up a lot, and it in the U.S. is that we don't deal with the real things that are bothering us. We never do. You know what I mean? I was down in... Um, Band-Aid culture. Band-Aid culture, yeah. bro. That's a good, perfect way to put yeah. it, man. I was down in um, Columbia last month. Well, mm-hmm. in like January. And and literally, they, so they had racing down there as well, of course, right? There were mm-hmm. things going on. Yeah. But how they dealt with a lot of their things was in your face. Mm-hmm. Like during Pablo's reign, mm-hmm. they kept those bomb statues where he blew that, where he's blowing up people, mm-hmm. and they listed out the names that that guy killed on a monument. Like, look, we don't want to be this people anymore. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, yep. like it's in their face. They yep. walk if they're walking through a straight courtyard, it's there. They have to deal with that. Yep. Like, yeah, I gotta watch out. You yep. know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I gotta make sure that we start yep. that we don't start naturally backsliding because you can't, you can't. Tell me that naturally, if you grew up yeah. a certain type of way, there isn't certain things that are in you that won't For come sure. out as an adult. It's just natural. One hundred percent. It's That's there, what right? We don't want to say, right? And, yeah. I, and the and you know, to a certain extent, 
Band-Aid culture to me is just a byproduct of the kind of society we live in, right? We live yeah. in a capitalist society, which yeah. means that we are a money-driven society. Mm -hmm. So if that's how our society functions, we are going to pursue things in our own self-interest mm -hmm. that bring us some kind of fortune, right? Yeah. That's what slavery was. Like, yeah. it was, this is... Yeah, people right, try to make okay? money. Yeah. yeah, okay, so... Yeah. And, and again, this is, like, really heavy shit, but, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, if... Yeah, yeah. if I'm glad we if, that up. I mean, if yeah. you have a business mm -hmm. that that functions that provides you money and resources and power okay mm -hmm. if you have a business and the and the success of that business is contingent upon a group of people that don't look like you to do work for free okay once slavery is emancipated and slavery is no longer legal mm -hmm. that's a problem for you oh like it's you know a major I mean? problem that's a problem for you so so what and you've probably seen uh 13th of course the, okay yeah. so then you see how all yeah, that, that transpires telling. right yeah. into the criminalization of black people into paying them to be a certain way because a a prison force can be used as a free labor force yep. right so and i think that's the conversation that people don't want to that a lot of people either don't want to have it or people are not educated enough to have it so instead they just talk about what should and shouldn't be instead of what is and what is not yeah. And I think that's what makes things a lot more difficult. Man, there's this really good audio book. It's, it's, it's freaking like 34 hours long. And, man, it, it, it's, a, it's the people's history of the uh, American. I mean, of America, I should say. Oh. But it's pretty much letters from everybody that was, like, silent, people that could read and write. And so it's from slaves, it's from other people, from people that were disadvantaged. Wow. I mean, and, and it talks about and it lays out a long history of how these laws were kind of laid in mm -hmm. over hundreds and hundreds of yep. years. One of the things I thought was really interesting was how black and white people worked together in the fields until they slowly started to separate them. Where they said, oh, mm -hmm. you guys got to work on separate, you guys got to be on separate parts of the field. Now, they were all poor. No, mm -hmm. of course, they were slaves, but the white people were also uh -huh. poor. And then uh -huh. they, and they slowly started to separate them. And then they started mm -hmm. forming these little um, a militias going around. Say, oh, join the militia. Everybody needs uh -huh. to have a gun. Like, no, I think... I, I don't think we ever talk about this in the U.S., but no other country is, is really as gun-happy as us. Absolutely. People not. are in yeah. wars. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm People are yeah. in wars and not yeah. as gun-happy as us. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I got a couple of guns, too. But mm -hmm. it's one of those things, mm -hmm. you know, it's like people, man, we man, we lust over the guns. You know cultural. what I mean? It's, it's uh -huh. cultural, man. And, and, you know, a lot of yeah. that drives from those groups of people going around keeping people in check. Yep. Now, I think guns are good to keep governments in check as well because mm -hmm. governments can get out of hand too, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, so I'm not really trying to say, you know, guns are bad or anything's yep. bad, but it's good to know what your history is. It's I good agree. to know where how things were formed over time because along the way, you're like, well, these things start popping yep. up. You don't, you aren't really sure why you believe what you believe. I agree. I yeah. think, I think a lot of, I think we're like, we're just, we have an extreme culture, right? Yeah. Everything yeah. we do, we do in excess, right? Mm -hmm. And I think with certain things, like, uh, I don't know, um, with certain things can be good, with other things can be bad, right? Yeah. But we, like, we don't have the ability to allow our youth to start drinking at 18 years old. It just can't happen. It'd be anarchy in the street. Yeah. But when you go to Europe, oh. or you go to Canada, it's, it's not happening. a problem, right? It's all day. Everything we do, and that's that same Band-Aid culture because all we're doing is using alcohol, drugs, whatever it is, right, mm -hmm. to mask these kinds of bigger problems that we have kind of laying around these, underneath the surface. And yep. then it's just these huge, everything just becomes so exacerbated. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, but how do you change that? I don't know. I don't hey, know. Hey, man, well, you know what? I would definitely say it starts with a conversation. I think so, too. You know, you know what I mean? I I, so at too. some point, somebody says, hey, this is, this is, these are my thoughts. Yeah. Not saying my thoughts are only the right way to go about yeah. it. I'm not saying I have all the data, all the, all the facts, yeah. but this, this is what I'm seeing, and, and then yeah. bring it to the table, you know? You know, I had, I had this epiphany. I went to, I, so I had to go to Augusta. Okay. To go train, to go work with uh, a player, right? And, Georgia? Uh, 
Yeah, Augusta, okay, Georgia. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, my fam- my dad's side family is from Florida. Okay, right? I didn't know this. All right. Yeah, so, like, and it's like, it's not, don't get me wrong, it's not like Mississippi, yeah. but, like, Mulberry. Yeah, it's yeah, well out it's there. like, yeah, it's not far off, I've been right? through there, man, a couple times. Okay. So, I used to live in um, Atlanta for years. Okay, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so you know what I'm talking about. I know about this. Yeah. So, what was interesting <laughs> was that going to see my family, I was always around my family, yeah. right? And I was always, like, the weird kid from California, like, which is cool, like, you know, I don't West know Coast care. kid, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, we're just <laughs> different compared to, like, the people in the South. Yeah. But I was always around my family, so the, this most recent time was the first time I spent time in the South, mm-hmm. in, in, like, the South-South, not being around all black people. Right. And so obviously I grew up here in L.A. I'm from like I'm L.A. through and through my whole life. Okay? Mm-hmm. I'm in Augusta, Georgia, and I walk into a Planet Fitness. OK, <laughs> I walk into a Planet Fitness to train this this athlete, that, athlete slash client friend that I was with yeah. and a friend of his is a mutual friend of ours where it's the three of us were there together. Yeah. And we walk in this Planet Fitness and this a, a white lady and they her start friend, ringing the alarm off top well we walk in <laughs> we walk into this one area of the gym and as soon as we get in they get up and they walk out wow. and i'm like no nah, there's no way i was like no nah, i can't and then i started just for the first time just kind of starting to pay attention yeah. to like my environment and i was like this is rough like it, it sounds crazy but i felt like i felt like being black from la we can kind of kind of for the most part live how we want to live do like this it felt like a sense of freedom yeah i felt like i was free and i went back to an area where the people are not free that's that's what what it felt like like. right and now here's the epiphany that i had though which is really scary and i thought about this when you talked about having a conversation Mm -hmm. i think what's so dangerous about it is that when i walked out of there i was like man fuck this like (laughs) i don't i don't like being here i don't like the environment i don't like the powers the power structure of who's in power in the city Mm -hmm. i don't like how far back this money goes back you know what i mean and i don't i don't like you can feel the racial tension in the city and you can see the people who are who are you can see the the class divisions right Mm -hmm. but the problem with that is that if i never if i try to avoid that environment at all costs how does it ever get better? Right. Right? That's what's hard. But see, for my own sanity and for my own my own peace of mind, I'd rather just be here chilling with my palm trees. Right. And my nice weather. Diversity. And around, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Having conversations like this. Mm-hmm. But we're the ones, we're kind of like in this L.A. bubble where like people look at us and they're like, they're fucking weird. You know what I mean? Bro, it's, it, you know, unfortunately, I feel like the world's becoming more polarized like that, too. Because mm-hmm. the more people move into big cities. And there's less people living in these rural areas. Yep. So there's less of that diversity. There isn't yep. that many crossing. People from the rural don't really come to the city. People from the city yep. don't, don't really come to the rural, right? Yep. And, and, you know, it's funny. I get a chance to travel around a lot just for work. And I go to these. I, I drive a lot. I, I fly into, into weird places. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it is like, I'm like, yeah, it's definitely different. But it's like we have these bubbles, even in Atlanta. Atlanta's a bubble compared to Georgia. 100%. I tell people, I'm like, yo, you know, people always say, oh, Atlanta's this. And I'm like, yeah, but it's in Georgia. So you got to know that. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. It's it's different, right? For sure. It's just that one little metro area that's really different than the rest of the South. Yep. I mean, and then even being out of the North, North has its own little things as well. Mm Because I was born and raised in Pittsburgh. And then the West is totally different than all the rest of the coast. Yeah. All the rest of the states, I should say. I mean, so, you know, but these bubbles, man, I think that they, they are good because they put you around like minded people. Yeah. But they also kind of throw you off though a little bit, man. For sure, for sure. Have you ever seen this movie called? Um, it's called Flying High. No, man. So I think you'll probably like this concept. Do you have like um, Netflix? Yeah. All right. So so um, oh, matter of fact, it's called High Flying Bird. That's the name of the movie. Okay, High so, Flying Bird. So it's about okay. this. Um, it's during this NBA lockout period, 
and this agents like going broke trying to take care of his athletes and everything okay. else. Nobody's gotten paid. Is and that it's a true story. It's a fictional movie. Fictional okay. movie, but it's it's a really interesting concept. Okay. Um, and so players just coming up out of the, you know coming out of college don't have any money yet. Be you know supposed to get drafted first round whatever, mm-hmm. um, about to get paid basically. But the NBA is going through a lockout. Okay. And so what they did, long story short, is they're trying to figure out how to how to kind of fight the system, how to try to get the lockout over. Okay. They start playing each other one on one, in like community gyms, okay. like some of the top athletes. Okay. And they put it on Snapchat, they put it on the gram, uh. they put it on YouTube, and they start, and then they, and then that agent goes back to the league and says, "Look, we can we can do this without you." Because we're the talent. There's that power structure. Okay. Power structure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I feel like there's, we're at this place in time when. The talent are the people that the people are really into. Yeah. yeah. The end users, right? All the middlemen are getting almost kind of yeah. like they're 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 fighting, bro. Like yeah. if, you, if you talk to music artists, you know people yep. are going direct to Spotify. They don't yep. really need to go through the labels like that. Yep. Independents are doing a really good job of that. Look at Chance, Chance, there's, uh-huh. there's a whole bunch of artists doing that. Do you ever see athletes getting to that point? It depends. It depends on what it looks like for because because the in order for that to happen, yeah. right? It depends on what that looks like. For example, I think the like for example the one on one concept I think is unrealistic because the money that there is to be made yeah. doesn't happen, right? At least I don't think so. You ha- you have to get buy in, right? In yeah. any in any in any situation, it's all about you know we, we live in a capitalist society, so it's all about business. So it's all about your end consumer, right? right. So it's all about what they're interested in. And if they're interested in seeing three-on-three basketball, then you have a market for the big three, right? Right. If they're interested in seeing championship basketball, then you know, then you have what you have now, right? So I think that I think that we stand a better chance of trying to change the power dynamic from within the current system mm. than trying to step back and do a whole separate, and, right? Yeah. However, yeah. very similar to the Martin and Malcolm dynamic, yeah, yeah. that the Malcolm approach makes Martin's message better heard, right? So that extreme shit, even though I don't think that it works, I think that from a political standpoint, it puts pressure to make adjustments in the current system. So, and I think, I think usually I've been, I've been consumed with this concept of balance, right? Like Mm -hmm. consumed with it for probably the last year. And and every, and I, you know, I've, Everything I'm realizing that everything comes down to balance, right? Whether it's physiologically within the body, whether it's you know balance between work and play, there's always this balance that we're trying to. I think a lot of us are aiming for, you know. And I feel like the idea of balance is that you're never in complete balance for very long. It's constantly you're constantly trying to find. It's never really fully obtainable. Right. But I do think that balance is really the virtue to pretty much to pretty much everything, right? Mm. And that's why I think that balance is is the extremism. I think lends. Uh, lens opportunity opens up doors for that change to happen in the current system internally. I think so. I think so. That's you know that's a really good way to look at it, using the whole uh, Martin and like Malcolm for analogy sure. there because it, it it puts pressure on the system. Absolutely. Right. And then people have to, the people are challenged to start thinking of solutions. Yep. You know I mean now maybe it, and not saying that every. I always say every good deal, both parties lose a little bit of skin. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. one person doesn't come away like a straight crook mm-hmm. and, just, and just beat the person up. Yep. And the person that's purchasing doesn't always kind of get exactly what they yep. want as well. But it's a mutual exchange yep. where both parties leave like, ah, okay, I guess that was fair. You know? Yep. You know? Uh-huh. Um, I mean, and, and, and I think, but how, how do you get to that fair point? 
if one yeah. person's dominating, of course, and then everybody else is just kind of stuck on one of side, and there's no counterbalance, right? Of course. And of so, course. Um, yeah, I thought it was really cool, really interesting concept. I, th- I think that you would probably really like it, though. Uh, yeah, I, I, just the idea of it, I think to me sounds to me sounds awesome. I think what's interesting, like what you're seeing in sports now, mm-hmm. and I think this kind of goes back. This, a lot of this goes back to who is participating in the sport when you're yeah. looking at again football and basketball, two money making sports. Obviously, baseball's up there too, which is a little bit different, but. I think that's why for me, seeing what's happening within college sports and how that industry is run is so dangerous to me because of, because of the opportunities it's taking from certain individuals, from mm-hmm. certain young players. Also, the lack of preparation that those young athletes now have entering the world. You know what I mean? And I think for, you see like LeBron's doing some pretty interesting stuff right now in he basketball, is. right? He you know is. What I mean? So I think it's possible, but you really have to get people to put their egos aside and kind of get on the same page uh, and try and create change in similar ways. But it's That's difficult. It's very difficult. It's really difficult trying to get people to kind of drop that ego, man. Yep. I mean, because people have their positions and, and that's yep. their that's their whole safety blanket. Of course. You know what I mean? And then now it's not safe anymore. When you start dropping Absolutely. that, you start trying to tr- take Absolutely. chances. And even, and even if you have money, even if you did a good job of saving your money, right? No, when it's, it's all said and that. done, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, it doesn't mean that you know how to run an organization. Right. You know what I mean? And I think, and I think for change, things to really change, we have to, we have to be able to, we have to, we have to create jobs. We have to create businesses. We have to create things where there's, there's things are really happening. It's not just, this is, I'm, I've taken my money. I've now opened this business. Opening successful businesses where yeah. it allows you to sit at the table and say, yeah, I played basketball, but I can also do this shit too. Yep. You know what I mean? And right now you kind of have this, you know, this greater world outside of sports going, yeah, well, you know you made some money, but it's right. not, not quite good. Like we don't have, we don't have that yet as, as a group influence. of people. Yeah, yeah. Respect, yeah. man. So, all right, talk about what you got going on with Athletes First, man. What's your whole mission? What are you... What are you trying to see happen? So, um, so it's it, I, it's very interesting. So, my goal when we originally started Athletes First was to change the power structure of college sports, right? Mm-hmm. And we decided to do that by giving college athletes a voice to be able to speak about what's happening, good or bad, right? Uh, people always assume that that we're looking for dirt on schools, not <laughs> not really. I'm just looking for the truth, right? Yeah. Which people say they want a lot, but a lot of times they don't. And um, we just wanted to create ultimate transparency. And um, we hoped that by allowing college athletes to share their experiences, it would provide a little bit of context and transparency to the college sports industry, which would in turn allow younger athletes that are coming through and having to make those decisions to make well-informed decisions so they're not basing their decisions off of these recruiting trips only. Man, right? you know, I mean, to me, that, that seems like something that if I was a parent, just think uh-huh. about as a, as a – if I had a son coming up, he had a couple, you know, people mm-hmm. – giving us letters, giving emails, mm-hmm. hitting the door, whatever. I mean, I, I would love to have a service like that. Right. So I think so too, right? So this has been like about a six-year-long process. I'm going to tell you what we've experienced doing this, right, mm-hmm. is I've heard, and I, again, this was like, this was, I dedicated my life to this, you know, for the last seven years, okay, with the exception of like the last probably like four or five months since things have been crazy here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've heard almost every kind of response you could possibly think of where this – What's the whole negative response? I mean, I'm just curious. Like, who would say I don't want to know the truth about what's going on, or at least one side of the story? They nobody says that they don't want to know the truth. Yeah. The question, the negative, the only negative thing that comes in this place is that we live in a capitalist society, right? Which means that every business has to make money. So when somebody goes, okay, how does it make money? Yeah. Then 
this and you know I, I didn't go to school for business for no reason like this is what I, I racked my brain over trying to figure out the right way to go about doing this mm-hmm. and it's not it's not easy you basically have to either a charge people for something right mm-hmm. which I didn't want to do I felt like it, it wasn't I couldn't sleep at night knowing that I'm trying to create this change but only a certain kind of athlete that comes from a certain area is able to even afford the resource that's great that's, to me that's adding more to the problem right mm-hmm. or B if you are not going to charge somebody for it, then you have to have so much volume that what you can do with those numbers and that traffic, you can then do something with. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's a good point. That's yeah. And so basically it's, it's one of those two things. And if I am going to get additional startup capital or additional seed funding, aside from what we put into ourselves, not only do I have to have it conceptually, not only do I conceptually have to have it figure out in my own brain, but I now have to try and portray that and explain that to somebody more than likely who's from a tech world that doesn't understand what it's like to be a pro, a, a college black athlete. Okay. Doesn't like so this sports and tech thing is something that's just starting to be merged now, and the people for the most part that are really doing things in tech don't really understand the sports side. It's true. And so what we decided to do was I thought, okay, well. If I can go after sheer numbers of college athletes, if I can get college athletes on board in, in the boatloads to start leaving their responses and start engaging what we're doing, now we really have something. Granted, maybe the amount of traffic is smaller, but that traffic is more powerful because you're talking about some of the most influential people in sports for the next five years, right? Yep. So that was my approach. Um, and I got to this point, I was like, okay, well, in order to do that, I can't get college athletes across the whole entire country on board on my own through our own social media. It would take too much work. And we, we did a little bit of it and we got some positive reinforcement. We were like, it's, that's, too much, that's too much of an uphill battle. We think there's a better way to go about doing it. So what we decided to do was either try and get into an accelerator program yep. uh, or try and work with a strategic partner, somebody who's very well tied into sports, more than likely professional sports, mm-hmm. that had the money and the influence to be able to one, help us fund it, and two, use their resource along with mine to get other professional athletes on board, whether it be through marketing materials, X, Y, and Z, right? Yeah. And um, so I got, we got, I'd made that decision to uh, pursue one of those two options back in probably like last year of August. And then things started getting so crazy here at SRLA that um, it, it felt like it wasn't the right time yeah. in a weird way. No. Um, and I just know how much time and energy that it takes for that. And I can't do the two at the same time. Bro, I, I, I think know? that's the wisest thing that I hear people talk about in the business, man. Yeah. Timing matters, bro. I know. I mean, like, I, I, mean, I mean, seriously, because I, I, uh, I've been a part of three different startups. One worked out pretty well. Not so well for me, but for, for everybody mm-hmm. else, it was okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know okay. what I mean? And, 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 and the heard other two was, was straight trash. Uh-huh. And, and, and timing was a part of it that wasn't there for me each time you know like and there's a time to do there's time to take a certain risk and there's not a time to start doing yet or let the market kind of move with it you know what i mean catch the right wave i think i think what's so interesting right is like hindsight is always 2020 right so it's like everybody when it's all said and done people go the timing wasn't right right yeah but that being said when you're in it right you go okay is the timing right right now or you is never it not? know you like know. right you yeah. never know you yeah. just do what you think is best in the moment and yeah. then you you chalk it up and you go okay like yeah. cool or no like right now i could argue and say you know what this is my passion this is what i want to spend my life doing i'm gonna walk away from all this and i'm gonna just take all this money that i have saved and, and i'm just gonna dump it all into this yeah. i can take that risk if i wanted to yeah. but when i look at the industry when i look at what we're doing i go that's too big of a risk for me mm-hmm. because in the event that 
I'm not trying to get, I'm not only trying to get the the masses in the sports world to understand, but I have to get an investor or somebody else who's probably doing a, a few other things to also buy in the same way. Is it the right time? Ah, I don't know, you know? And well, so this is where we are. Well, well, you know what, man, Jamal, man, I'm about to wrap it up, man. But I no, think sure. I think your mission is spot on. I, I think appreciate it. I think I mean for real. I, I really do because I think people that uh, get involved a lot of times, especially this is called what it is. People that are coming from disadvantaged backgrounds, yeah, and they don't have the the family support there a lot yeah. of times when they're making choices, yeah, and they're left up to a couple other people. Yep. They need some other tools. I agree. You know, you know, you know what I, I mean? Agree. Because, like, I mean, I felt like I was raised like the Cosby. I was raised uh-huh. two. I had both my mom and my dad there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Awesome. Like, it's, it, it was a rare setup, but I sure. knew it was rare. Yeah, most yep. of my cousins didn't grow up that way. I was going to say, yeah, but keep all around my, you. A lot of my friends didn't grow up that way. So I, I knew I was always like, oh, you know, my whole life is a little bit different than a lot of For people's sure. life. So I knew I grew up with, like, a lot of privilege with that. Black privilege, right? Yeah. But with that, it's like making choices, even with them in my corner, was still limited because they weren't exactly they didn't have the same experiences that I had coming exactly. up. Exactly. And so you need to have that peer to peer. You need as many resources around you. I agree. And so um dude, I think you have to sign with it, man. I mean I would definitely say the mission's right. Timing, you know, I'm sure the time is going on to at least find itself once it's right, man. Yeah, I think so. I think I told somebody recently I'm not I'm not I'm not married to the way that I'm going about yeah. the the change that I want to create, but yeah. I'm, I'm married to the cause, right? So I'm, yeah. I'm married to changing the power structure of college sports. Am I married to doing it through an app? Not necessarily. Do yeah. I think at, right now it's still the best way of going about doing that? Yeah. Might I change my mind in you know six months, a year from now? Possibly. I don't know. I All know right. that what we're doing here is really special, though. And, and this now, what's going on here, to me is special enough to take put this now i don't even want to say on the back burner just let it sit there in a nice case with a light on it and just let it sit there for a second until you know we figure out what's going on here a little bit more and maybe what's going on here allows that to happen faster bro yeah you know? i mean that that's the exact same thing i'm thinking about you guys you guys are up to something here bro i think so too no i mean i, I, so br- I bring people you know you've you, you've seen me yeah. come through with people from all from you know outside the country yeah. as well not not just run the I don't mean just around the states, but no, yeah. it's state of the art. You guys got the clientele that yeah. people are, are dying for. Yeah. Um, so I think you're in the right place. I think I think this is good, man. I appreciate that. I, 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 I from what did my friends say from uh, from your mouth to God's ears, right? Yeah, yeah. So there you I go. Hope so. Yeah, I hope man. So. Well, bro, tell everybody how to find you, though, man. Uh, I guess the easiest way is through my Instagram, yeah. Jamal Rashad. The uh, user, the, the handle is jrashad34, and uh, the at the uh, App company is Athletes First. First is spelled with one S T, so it's Athletes with an S, one S T, and uh, and yeah, we're still going. Jamal, much appreciate you taking time, brother. Of course, man. All right, man, we're no out. No problem. Podcast. Awesome. Yo, man, you should you should consider this for for like any future movements, man. Podcasts and stuff, and I, I preach to a lot of people, man. It's, yeah. It's it's chill. I'm not I sure if you're into them. Oh, can you? We, well, so we've done yeah, we've done them a couple of times. I have a friend of mine that runs. Uh, what is Farron's last name? I can't remember. They do a they do a podcast out of a uh, old radio station out, yeah. in, uh, out by LAX. Yeah. We've done this show a couple times. Oh really? Yeah. Oh dude, dope, yeah. bro. I mean, I mean, like for, for what you got, could because you you got a real mission. Yeah. You know, I mean, you aren't just like ah, you know, it's cool. No, I, agree. I, I want to sell some t-shirts. <laughs> you no, know what I'm no, saying? Like you know what I mean? Like it's different, bro. So.